You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Always a pleasure to check in with Joe Theismann. Joe, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. And when we've chatted in the past, you've had good things to say about Kirk Cousins. How much help did he get from that solid running game in the win in L.A. on Sunday? Well, I think every quarterback does. By the way, Cordell, how are you? Brian, good, good to Joe. Good, Joe. Um, you know, any quarterback, you know, you get a – a sense of comfort when you know you can run the football. It really pre- presents a lot of difficulty for a defense to be able to figure out how they want to defend you. The only thing that happened in the Rams game is, is really, other than the uh, touchdown catch that Ryan Grant made, the wide receivers really weren't involved a lot in that game. That was pretty much Chris Thompson's show, and he did a terrific job through the course of the day. And, of course, Rob Kelly. Now with Rob Kelly's ribs, uh, you don't know exactly to what extent He's going to be able to do what he did. But if he doesn't go, we got a young kid by the name of Mac Brown who looks just like him. So uh, the running game's always a big plus for a quarterback. Joe, when you, when you get an opportunity to hear players, former players, uh, gripe about maybe some things that happened on the team when they were playing, like the RG3 incident of saying that Mike Shanahan really never gave him an opportunity or a chance to really succeed and and then you have Santana, Santana Moss actually responding to that. When you hear that, and that's five years ago, uh, when you hear that type of stuff, especially for RG3, who still have an opportunity to play in the National Football League, how does that, one, says the locker room was when he was playing, and two, uh, how does that affect him moving forward with an opportunity to play with maybe owners, maybe some GM front office people here, and him sounding as if he's still bitter about what took place when he was there with the Washington Redskins? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, some of the things, I guess Santana said those things about Robert. And, you know, it's it's water under the bridge. Why do you have to bring it up? Why do you have to hash it? I mean, do you really need to create a situation for yourself where you need that kind of attention in a negative manner? And You know, I'm just, it didn't speak very well, and it doesn't speak very well for the for the health of that locker room at that time. But that's something that's so far in the past, it's ridiculous. And you know, as far as Robert goes, the reason Robert's not been able to catch a job, I think, and it's not like he hasn't worked out for some people, is he's always struggled as a, po- a pocket passer, a pocket passer. He, um, you know, when he came into the league, just like Colin Kaepernick, they were running phenoms, and they were a big part of why their offenses were number one rushing in the National Football League. But to maintain any type of degree of success and longevity in this business, you have to be able to throw the ball from the pocket. It's something that Robert has not been able to do, and in part it isn't his fault because he's been injured so much. So you got a guy who can't really work on a trade that he has to have to be a quarterback in this league. Joe Theismann is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Joe, let's move around the league. Washington has had some incredible offensive lines over the years. We know about the famous Hogs. What's going on in Seattle? Russell Wilson, tough and mobile, but if they don't upgrade that offensive line, is he in big trouble this year? Heck yeah. I mean, you could see the the um, a pounding he's been taking. Now we're in week two, and he's been running for his life. The difference between he and Eli Manning is Eli can't run for his life. Russell's still going to make some plays with his legs, but he's going to take an awful lot of hits and you know, they sorely missed him, uh, his ability to be able to do things a year ago. So, yeah, I, I think the offensive line to me is where you start to build a football team. Um, although the Denver Broncos proved that the defensive front seven can handle a, 
five guys up front pretty well when they played Dallas this past week. But I absolutely think that Seattle is in trouble if they can't fix the offensive line. They've lost some key people, and they haven't been able to find an answer. And the Giants, they stayed with the same five guys they had a year ago, and they had a year ago a problem. So, you know, I think the Giants' problem goes above the players. It goes to front office decisions. And, you know, if you've got a left tackle that's struggling, don't leave him out there on an island to try and block a great pass rusher. Help him. So, to me, watching, you know, watching those two football games, there's definitely an issue. And those aren't the things that get solved overnight. And so, yeah, I think Russell's in for a, a busy year and Eli maybe for a sore one. Joe, you played the game for some time and you actually covered the game. Uh, when you look at players that's been, let's just say, talked about in a negative way or even questioned, especially at the quarterback position, but yet you see them come back and they fight and they dig and they grind and, and they start off real fast. And I'm going to Alex Smith. I've been t- calling his name out all week. Uh, he's truly has come around over the last two weeks when conversations have always been, can he thread the needle? Can he throw the deep ball? And then Andy Reid, he looked like he's opened up the game plan, but it takes Alex Smith going out being efficient when it comes down to throwing the football. He's been that every bit of the way. Give me your take on how do you see him actually developing and evolving to being one of the better quarterbacks in the game so far? Oh, I think right now you'd have to say he's, uh, you know, he's in the top three or four in the league. Uh, certainly throws the ball well, but always has. You know, look at the Kansas City Chiefs, though, um, and a little bit of it I think is, is what you really mentioned, Cordell, is Andy opening up the playbook a bit more. They've got tremendous speed all over, and when you have a, you know, you have a runner like Hunt, like you, we first question we talked about what is you know what is a running game done for Kirk Cousins? What is a running game done for Alex Smith? Two years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs did not have a wide receiver catch a touchdown pass. I, I mean, just just me saying it even sounds unbelievable, but that was a fact. Last year, in 16 football games, Alex Smith threw 16 touchdown passes. That's about a quarter of a season for Tom Brady. This year, you see him throwing the ball down the field. They've got some explosiveness to their offense. They're running the ball well. We always know how good their defense has been. That is a very complete football team. And Alex has basically done the job he's been asked to do the last couple of years, but now they're taking advantage of the fact that they've got some speed outside and they're going to scare the living daylights out of people down the field. We're chatting with Joe Theismann on the NFL on TuneIn. Joe, if you look at the stat line or watch the game in New Orleans, Tom Brady, tremendous on Sunday, probably helps he was taking on that shaky Saints defense. Do you think Brady, who apparently has not had a carb in 15 years, really can be the George Bland of his generation and play until he's 45 years old? I think he can get close. I don't know if he can squeeze five more years out of it. Um, I talked to Tom a couple years ago in San Francisco at Super Bowl 50, of which he disappointingly was not a part of. I mean, if he's not playing in a Super Bowl, he just, you know, he's always cordial, a great guy, terrific person. But you can see the almost disappointment when he's there and not playing. I asked him how long he was going to play. I said, you going to play another year or so? He said, I'll play at least three. So I see Tom getting to 43. God willing, he stays healthy. Um, I think that's going to be the magic number. So that'll at least be a couple more years going. I don't think he'll make it to 45. 
But then again, I didn't think too many guys could make it to 40, so what do I know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're speaking of 45 or even 40. uh, Eli Manning is getting really close to that age, and it's starting to look that way over the last couple weeks. Give me your take on how Coach McAdoo and and Eli have handled uh, these last couple weeks. Coach McAdoo and calling out the two players, the center as well as the quarterback directly, uh, and saying they, they they botched that that the handling of the quarterback center exchange because of the delay of the game. And and but yet you had a pundit ask the question: Could you have called timeout? Which majority of times you have coaches who are cognizant of the game clock, and he wasn't. How do you see this thing transpiring as we move forward, considering? Uh, that Coach McAdoo was a play caller not too long ago. And, and Eli Manning, it's a veteran, and he looks as if he's a he's a young rookie in the game right now. Oh, man. Coach McAdoo is still the play caller. He, he still calls the plays. And, you know, that was, that's an error by Eli, and he knows it. You know, and, and it's, you know, it's refreshing to see a coach, instead of trying to cover up for all these guys, it's refreshing for him to say, hey, look, this guy screwed up. No, you know, what basically says is there isn't any player on the giant football team that is above reproach. There isn't any player that isn't held accountable and responsible. And I want everybody to know that. I think that was one thing. See, I, you know, I think they, you know, Eli's just getting the living daylight speed out of him. He held the ball so long in so many instances. And, you know, Brandon Marshall stepped up and said, hey, look, you know, I probably made the biggest play of the game by dropping that football. At that juncture in the game, that 30-yard-plus game that he would have had would have changed the game completely, possibly gotten momentum back on the Giants' side. So as you look at that game and you study that game, um, you know, the Giant offense is mired in what looks like the same problems they had a year ago. The plays look the same. You're not helping out offensive linemen. They can't really run the football that effectively. It all falls on Eli's shoulders. And there's one thing we can't forget is the two world championships that Eli Manning has won. Both of those years, the Giants were 9-7. and seven. So if we're into the third week of the season. Don't necessarily count the Giants out completely. And I've always believed this, guys. And, Cordell, you and I have gone through training camps where people actually hit one another. I think that the first two weeks of the regular season are really glorified preseason games for the starters because they just don't play. And so now is the opportunity to get out and play. Joe, we try to emphasize positive stories around the league on this show. We know that you won an MVP award, Super Bowl champion, but what did winning the NFL Man of the Year award in 1982 mean to you? Oh, it was just, um, you know, it's such a great honor because, we as players don't conscientiously just go out and try and work in the community. You know, I've already cast my vote this year. I don't have one, but I'm casting it anyway for J.J. Watt, for what he has done to reach out and help the people of Houston with, his, uh, with the website he set up. Now, here's a guy that wanted to raise $200,000, and he's probably upwards or close to $40 million. Um, it's such a great response from so many fans and so many people that care, but it was a great honor to be able to work uh, with the Children's Hospital National Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and, and be a part of trying to build the new one. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that all of us have learned uh, that have played the game and have been honored in this way is that it's so much more enjoyable to give than it is to receive. We're blessed as players. You know, we're blessed beyond belief. And if you can do something to make someone else's life a little more comfortable, a little bit easier, 
then that's really the thing you shoot for. That, that to me, is what success is all about. I know sometimes success really derives off of of wins and losses, but I think everything that we saw J.J. Watt do and a lot of other players uh, I thought was extremely commendable. But guess what, Joe? We don't talk about that type of stuff enough. You know, we we have a tendency sometimes to to get caught up into the X's and O's and the wins and losses and God making so much money. And and as soon as he make a mistake, we want to beat him down. You know, it's good to be able to. You know what you guys can do? Hey, Cordell, I got I got an idea. Go ahead. On your show, on your show, take take a segment, take one player that has done something something exceptional in the course of that week. One player, whether it's visiting a um, a veterans hospital, whether it's you know contributing a certain amount of money to something, whether it's going out to a YMCA, whether it's whatever it might be. And just talk about it, because it has to start somewhere. And you guys have the opportunity. You brought up a great point. You know, we emphasize, on the, you know, let's, let's, let's all talk about Ezekiel Elliott. Well, let's not. Let's talk right. about somebody that does something in a positive way. You know, whether it's, whether it's a great block on the field or whether it's something off the field that they're contributing to. Um, you know, let's do an update on J.J. Watt every week just to see how much more money can be raised to help the people of Houston and those that are in, in need um, through the American Red Cross and, and other foundations and other charities. I think, it, I think it's a, it would be a great segment just to let people know that, hey, the guys that play this game, there's an awful lot of guys out there doing an awful lot of good. That's a tremendous concept. We're already doing it with members of the Legends community, but I'm with you, Joe. I think we can make the shift to active players as well. Last one for great. me. You're always gracious when I ask you a question about entertainment. You've given us stories about hanging out on set with Burt Reynolds. What can you tell me about your time in American Gladiators? And did you ever suggest they test for PEDs for those gladiators? <laughs> we didn't even know. We didn't even know what a PED was. <laughs> you know, we thought it was PEZ, like those old Pez, um, <laughs> the candy dispensers. That's what we thought it was at that time. No, it was it was fun, actually. Um, Mike Adamley, who broadcast in Chicago on the Chicago, I believe, sports there, Mike and I did the first two years of American Gladiators, which really has become an unbelievable American Ninja Warrior and an international show. Right. I think the genesis of it was what we did. i got to tell you a really funny story, though. When we first started doing the show, we had obstacle courses, and we had shooting tennis balls at one another, and we had all these different things, and we had a, a jousting bar. So... They would get up on like a two by four and joust. And I was walking by it one day, and what they did is they sank screws into the plywood to hold it up, and the screws weren't covered. There was like a there was like a six inch <laughs> screw sticking up on either side, and I'm thinking we really are in the uh, embryonic stages of building something, but we better cover these things up before somebody impales themselves. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's really funny. Brian Baldinger, Baldy's sister competed in the competition and she actually got hurt and was unable to go on uh, with other competition that she wanted to. So, uh, yeah, it was really fun to be a part of it and just to see the athletes compete. I mean, I love, I'm a, I'm a competition junkie. You know, Cordell knows that we play with each other in golf tournaments and stuff. And, you know, we, we all just love to compete. I mean, that's who we are. It's what we do. Yeah. And I mean, that, I think that's what makes this game so, so great, but but you know, and I know sometimes in, in the game, uh, to have that competitive environment is always healthy 
when you see teams, let's say for an example, like the Houston Texans, uh, I, th- I think they actually dropped the ball at the quarterback position when it came down to creating a competitive atmosphere between Tom Savage and also the kid Deshaun Watson, because now we all of a sudden see Deshaun Watson actually going out and play. Give me your take on now that he became the starter uh, overnight, so to speak. Shouldn't he have just become the starter come week one? No, I think, I think, you know, Tom was on the football team. He was hurt last year, didn't get a chance to play. I think Bill did the right thing, giving him a chance to be able to go out and do what he needed to do to try and hold on to the job. It was going to be Deshaun. I mean, they didn't, they didn't draft him to sit. Right. Maybe they drafted him to sit a little bit longer, but they didn't draft him to sit for any extended period of time. And you saw it his, his legs. I mean, he won the game this past week with his legs. He didn't, he didn't win it with anything else. I mean, he'll, he threw the ball well. Hopkins is a great receiver, but... You know, now all of a sudden people are going to start to get a little bit of a book on them. It's a little bit with you see with Ezekiel and, and Dak. Right. Give, our, give the defensive coaches in this business a lot of credit because they are going to study people. It's not like college where you get a limited period of time to look at people. These coaches will spend 100 hours a week just trying to figure out a way to stop you or make you do something you can't do. Joe, as always, we appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time again on the NFL on TuneIn. Always great catching up with you guys. Take care. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.